Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Andrew. And this is Josh. It is the week leading up to Friday, February 19th, which means we get to start screening movies soon at the Mayfair again. Very exciting. Hooray, we're out of the red or orange? <laughs> no, we're in the orange? We're in the green now, we're I think. We're in the green? <laughs> no, I think green is like sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. I think green, okay, yeah. yeah. I think we're in like the orange. I know gray is bad because I was reading that Niagara Falls is in the gray, which is like the worst you could be, possibly. So we're tiptoeing back towards normalcy for the third time. So all we can do is hope that there won't be a fourth time of lockdown, which I don't know. I by mistake looked at some science article that said that all accounts is that will happen because that's just how these things work. But let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's just... (laughs) Let's just not talk about it. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. It's hard enough to get here, so let's not mention other colors or situations. But, oh boy, it's been a busy week. God, when did we get the news? A few days ago that we could open back up. So we're recording this on Tuesday. Technically, we could have been open now, but there's just too much to do. We had to book movies, and, and I haven't even sent out the work schedule yet, even though I have that kind of roughed out for starting Friday. I've, I've got everybody to touch base with their availability. <laughs> you can ask Andrew now. You yeah. just like, confront him in front of everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do it live. <laughs> That'd be good. The podcast is just like a really boring, like, okay, and on uh, Thursday, who's available for that? Just like half an hour of that. Just a staff meeting for the public to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we could have done a Teams meeting version of the podcast where you get whoever to call in, see how they're doing. My big accomplishment with great help from Gwen was we fixed up the poster room. So I can't wait to show that off to Eric and everybody else. Anyone who will look. (laughs) Yeah, and I've warned people. I said it's going to be a rare thing of me putting my foot down as an employer and be like, okay, if this ever gets messy again... I'm going to lose my mind. So I've got it all planned out and where to put new incoming stuff and where to throw out stuff and everything. But so that was my big accomplishment over this lockdown. But then the last few days has just been shoveling snow and finding posters. And Raina came in and made sure the candy bar is all ready to go. And Lee had to book all the films. And Mark is coming in to just do a once over of the projection room and everything. So we're getting there. We will definitely be ready for Friday. Marcus was in today just getting trailers ready. I was in putting up a goodwill marquee for our neighbors for Black Squirrel Books just because we didn't have a rental, so I thought I'd put a little shout-out to them up there. House of Targ, I did that for them a couple days ago, and the Black Squirrel guys were saying it was funny because they looked out their window and saw the House of Targ advertisement and went, oh, yeah, we can get pierogies. And then they went next door and got takeout pierogies. So it was this, like, Bermuda Triangle of neighborly help. (laughs) (laughs) Hero Josh. But yeah, so, and then today I will, Andrew's already put up the schedule on the website and I've made up all the posters. So I'm going to continue social media-ing that. And then on Wednesday or Thursday, fairly last minute, get the advanced tickets ready to go. And then we'll be showing movies again, which even though this hasn't been the longest lockdown, it's still just, it feels nice. It feels nice to uh, be getting back to a tiny bit to normal. Yep. Yeah, catching up on all that missed stuff that we didn't we get to talk about but then never got to show. Yeah, and sadly we'll miss a few things just because that's how it goes. I know a few movies that we had hoped to screen now have kind of moved on to streaming and kind of aren't available to us anymore. But Oh no, not the Cage film. 
Oh no! No, that that hasn't even come up yet. So okay. I, I, don't panic. <laughs> oh, I panicked. <laughs> yeah, it's too much. Jujitsu? <laughs> oh man, any of them? I, I all of them, frankly. I mean, we should be showing every Cage film, but that's a different theater to, in my mind. Eric, have you sent Lee an essay on the new film and why we should screen it? And oh man, I feel like he has me on Facebook, so I feel like that's already a lot. He knows what I want. Is it what the people want? I mean, we did have some other people be like, yeah, we should play that. So I guess I could point to that being evidence, but I don't know. He's got a lot going on. You both do. I also think Crude's 2 might be on the horizon if we haven't lost that to streaming yet. I'm not sure. We were going to screen mm. that, but then lockdown happened. And I, I hear it's shockingly good, which is always the best thing to put on a poster. Shockingly above average. <laughs> yeah. And with Cage involved, you know there's going to be some laughs. I mean, he's animated, but he gets animated in every movie anyway, so. Yeah, and the new one, I mean, it's always so funny with Nick Cage to say the new one, because by the time you say that, it's almost like when people joke about phones or laptops or whatever, like by the time you get it home and take it out of the box, there's already another one that's better than that one. By the time you're talking about the new Cage movie, he's already talking about the one that comes after that. Yeah, the only thing that delayed it was the pandemic, or else we would have had three or four already, but, you know, one's good. Yeah. Maybe we should just jump right in because this won't be the longest podcast in the world, both because we're recording over Zoom. So it nicely kind of gives you a cutoff at 40 minutes and then which whittles down to like 35 minutes. And also because uh, I've got a lot to do. So <laughs> we're going <laughs> we're gonna, to uh, actually talk about movies that we're screening at the Mayfair starting Friday, February 19th. And we have the next week as well, but let's get through the first week and then maybe hint at the next ones, and then we'll come back next week and talk about the week of, of uh, Friday, February 26th after that. We have five films this week, and it's this interesting kind of new world of COVID programming. Months ago, Lee joked that this might just make us more responsible cinema owners and wiser programmers and business owners because there'll definitely be no one night onlys maybe a little bit less risk taking but nothing crazy and just kind of because we have a little bit less show times a couple less matinees means kind of four to five films a week because we can only have 50 people in that is more show times with less people so all these things kind of make for interesting schedules for now in the foreseeable future so the first movie to chat about is on the tail end of Black History Month, which we're not getting a whole month to program, but we have a few weeks, we're going to screen the Oscar-winning classic, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Ooh. I have for sure never seen that on the big screen. And then part of me is now like, you know how you get this like false memory of something big in pop culture, a movie, a book, or whatever, that you think you've seen? And now I'm second-guessing myself, and I'm like... Have I just seen clips and documentaries and read articles about? And I'm like, I don't know if I've seen Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Have you seen the remake with Bernie Mac and Ashton Kutcher? Yeah, it's so much better. Oh my <laughs> they god! Finally nailed it. I forgot that one's about just it. called Guess Who, though. I forgot about that movie. Yeah, it wasn't great, but the original though is a classic, and like hopefully we get the right one, and they don't send us the remake or whatever. But <laughs> that'd be funny. No. That has happened before, like somewhat recently. When we screened RoboCop, you gotta be specific. Like nowadays, especially with movies with the exact same title, I can't wait till we screen Halloween and they just send us either the Rob Zombie version <laughs> or the new one or the original. But they sent us the RoboCop remake in lieu of <laughs> the classic RoboCop. And the response Ooh. to that 
trying not to be too mean to the RoboCop remake because I don't think it was the worst movie in the world. It was bad. It was pretty good for for a RoboCop remake. (laughs) Yeah, but no one's going to screen that in a rep house ever by itself for no reason, like ever. (laughs) So why send it to us? It was kind of funny. Yeah, people weren't excited about that, I would imagine. (laughs) So then you got to be like uncomfortably reply to them and be like, "Um, can you send us the good one and not this one? Yeah, yeah. the only one we acknowledge. One time Lee programmed a movie called No Man's Land with Charlie Sheen, where Charlie Sheen is a guy who steals Porsches and an undercover cop buddies up with him to like infiltrate his car ring. MGM sent us another No Man's Land, like some 2000, I think it was like a 2002 World War II movie. Yikes. So not quite the same thing. Yeah, that's that's not, I mean, if you're in the mood for like a, a Charlie Sheen thriller, you're, you're probably going to be taken aback by the war film. Yeah. But still, I mean, it could be good. You know, maybe it worked out. Just in the bit of research I've done for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and putting together the info for the website and a little bit of the awards it won for the, on the, the poster slug, the crazy thing is it was nominated for a ton of Oscars. It won for Best Actress and Best Screenplay. But the real telling thing, and it's nothing that has changed with major awards for many a year, sadly, is Sidney Poitier was not nominated then you look down the line and it was the same at the Golden Globes. And this, like, so it's for a movie that was kind of a cornerstone, a first with it, with a strong black lead in it. Nonetheless, the strong black lead in it did not get the praise from the media and the awards people that it should have. So that's kind of a, a very telling thing of the time that everything that was meant well by the studio, nonetheless, it still stands out that Sidney Poitier was ignored. I think it's because the focus was probably more on Tracy and Hepburn. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because I think that was Spencer Tracy's last movie. Like he was really sick when he made that movie. So that that was like his final bow. I could be wrong, but I don't think he made it much longer than that movie. Like, no, I, no. I don't think he made it to the Oscars ceremony, I believe. No. Damn. So yeah, so that was pretty big kind of Hollywood publicity to distract from that. But, but nonetheless, Sidney Poitier went on to have quite the career of course and i believe got a lifetime achievement award some years later from the oscars i love when we get to screen movies like this just because it really does feel like time travel when you see a movie from the 50s or 60s up on the screen at the mayfair and when you consider that it played there once upon a time as a first run or recent repertory booking back in the day i I always love thinking about Mm. that but yes, that's our first comeback movie, which is kind of neat. So we get a, a classic film as our first movie on a matinee of Friday the 19th. People were concerned about new films. There doesn't seem to be a shortage of them because so many were kind of just cut off when Lockdown Part 1 happened or kind of stuff is trickling through, still being produced. So we have an auto premiere starting on Friday called Some Kind of Heaven. It's a documentary about senior living in Florida, but a very kind of eccentric, weird, funny look at that. And it's it's getting really big reviews, really good reviews. And it looks like a, a fun movie to have as one of our comeback films. It seems very timely because I guess there's still snowbirds in Florida. Oh, yeah. Well, Florida, I know, has so many Canadians there that they have distinct newspapers or TV channels for... Canadians who have retired down there. Oh, really? Yeah. And there's a big thing that Florida has hockey teams, not one, but two hockey teams. And the reason is many people say because like 
75% of the ticket holders are retired Canadians in Florida. So that it's kind of a funny thing. Makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a movie that it strangely was going to be a Mayfair virtual cinema for us. But now that we're not a video store anymore, we get to have it on the big screen. So that's kind of fun. That's a huge progress for us. <laughs> so weird. So weird to think that that was even a consideration. Like, oh, we don't got to do that anymore. We're back to being a movie theater. Right. So long, jerks. We're back to real. <laughs> <laughs> then we have three classic films filling out the week one of the more recent ones it's so funny it's not a recent film but if you're of a certain age it feels like it's a new film we are screening boogie nights which we were going to screen because almost as a gag for like a new year's eve kind of movie because there's a a new year's eve part of the plot Uh, i forgot about that (laughs) yeah but now we're just screening it because it's cool it's quite the movie yeah cast is extraordinary Uh, the script burt reynolds in an oscar nominated and golden globe winning comeback role in a career filled with comebacks and it's it's, his birthday is february 11th so you can kind of pretend maybe it was (laughs) (laughs) like it's kind of a thing and our programmer lee loves burt reynolds i think his favorite actor probably so Mm -hmm. this was the movie that was interesting he almost didn't do the movie his career was really filled with what do you call it like almost campy success for some of it with cannonball run and stuff like that and then a lot of action movies but i think he really wanted to be quote unquote a real actor and this was a senior citizen step in that direction but then on the heels of boogie nights nothing really happened for him sadly he didn't really have that kind of john travolta push that travolta had for a few years after pulp fiction like he didn't follow it up with a get shorty sadly still good run and he didn't make fanatic he didn't have his own version of the fanatic oh man if only (laughs) great film (laughs) and i remember boogie nights too because it might be the first place that i was conscious of seeing John C. Riley and Don Cheadle and Julianne Moore and Heather Graham, like such a cast. William H. Yeah. Macy. Philip Seymour Hoffman, isn't he in it? Oh my God, yeah. That was an early one for him. Philip Baker well. Hall, the, the library cop from Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, all, all the best Philip three name actors are in it. Such a good movie. And it's it's a weird movie because it's, it is filled with very kind of funny and charismatic characters and some goofy moments and light moments. Uh, you know, the, the stuff where Marky Mark and John C. Riley are singing the song from the Transformers animated movie <laughs> as their big comeback song. I love that song. I'm the right age to love Transformers. And Feel the Heat or Feel My Heat is, is the B-side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But also kind of akin to that genre, that P.T. Anderson genre. It's It's filled with some really heavy, amazing actor moments, but also kind of having a real appreciation of the characters like never really making fun of them kind of almost respecting these noble porn filmmakers <laughs> our best and brightest <laughs> a lot of it is is taken from the life and career of john holmes there was this sort of pseudo documentary about him called exhausted and a lot of what's in that documentary was recreated for the documentary sequence in boogie nights about dirk diggler like almost shot for shot i always think that like with Social Network, there's parts in that movie that I know are fictionalized, greatly fictionalized, and some stuff that is true to life. And with Social Network, I'm like, why didn't you just change the names? Why didn't you just, instead of calling it Facebook, just slightly change it? Just Instead, it's this weird thing where people take Social Network as fact, and it's it's not like... And big things, too. Like, I think the main character, the Facebook guy, they kind of show him as this, like, lonely guy wishing for friends wishing to get a girlfriend but in reality 
not only did he have a girlfriend at the time of that movie where his character was in that movie in the point of history, he has that same girlfriend now or he's married to her now. So he was with someone all along and they just took that out to make him seem more sad. So with Boogie Nights, if it is based off of John Holmes, yeah, just change a couple (laughs) names and then you don't got to worry about it. It's just it's inspired by events. And then that's all you got to say. You can't get in trouble for that. JFK did that. Oliver Stone is famous for that, where he would take I think it's the Donald Sutherland character in JFK is essentially a mashup of like four characters. It's a, and I love having Andrew here to be able to pipe in with parts like that that I would have no idea about. So, I'm... Well, the guy that Donald Sutherland plays was a real guy, wasn't he? He was, and then I think they took... But, but they combined him with other people? Correct, yeah. Kind of like Mr. Exposition. So they took some quotes from like three or four other sources. Yeah. Just because it was all the same. For a fictionalized script point of view, it all works coming from one guy's mouth. But in reality, it came from different places. But because it's not a documentary... You can say like, oh, well, you know, we're bending the truth or we're doing this because it tells the story better. And if you want to know the facts, go read a book about JFK. <laughs> good advice. <laughs> Always good advice. Are we playing JFK? Is that the lead in for the next movie? No, no JFK. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not asking to be playing JFK. Just, you know. Maybe one day. It, it will be interesting the, these weeks coming up because I think what we will average is one new film and then three or four classics and Mm. sometimes we will line up with something like black history month or with some event going on or some theme or i always just look for anniversaries which is makes me feel old now because 1991 is 30th anniversary 2001 is 20th anniversary 81 is 40th anniversary so i might look into that and give some suggestions to lee because it's the silly thing like it doesn't matter if a movie's 37 years old or 39 years old but people like that zero people like celebrating that zero that even number yeah i watched trading places for the first time last night those uh, black history months watch <laughs> oh, it, it was uh yeah <laughs> some stuff does not hold up <laughs> in that movie. And it's a classic like it still has you know a super high rating with everyone and, and like i see why I, I would say it was probably the best dan Aykroyd performance i've ever seen because i don't really like dan Aykroyd, and i he kind of plays the same guy a lot of the time <laughs> but like he was good in the, as the snooty upper crust type dude but that was a tough, tough movie. It's funny you mentioned that kind of genre because I'm listening to a book that is written by Harold Ramis's daughter. And it's just about, it's the biography that Harold never got to write himself and his daughter's writing. And it's really good. I, I'm only about a hmm. third of the way through it. But she's talked about growing up around SCTV and Bill Murray and Stripes and Ghostbusters and all this stuff. To write this book, she went back and for the first time in a long time watched Animal House. And she was talking about how (laughs) it's like, wow, there is stuff in there that I haven't watched Animal House forever. But there's stuff in there that she said would not be allowed today. And not even anybody kind of sticking their nose up and being like, oh, you're being politically correct. But just stuff that would not fly in a movie and that anybody making the movie would be like, yeah, we can't do that. So it's an interesting time that kind of mid-70s to mid-80s where some really brilliant filmmakers and writers and performers but there's even just like a scene or two and you and you kind of cringe and you're like oh no that would be cut out nowadays oh for sure yeah some of the lines especially the original script for animal house like i've seen documentaries about it apparently it was much worse oh my it was God. more <laughs> sleazier and John Landis is like, okay, we got to kind of make this a little bit more. Yeah, powerful. dumb it down a little bit somehow. <laughs> yeah, like 
everyone's kind of a bad guy. Like, let's make Delta House kind of the good guys. (laughs) Yeah. And she was saying that in Stripes, she said there's a lot of genius performances in it and a lot of funny moments, but no female voice at all. No female character that does anything except for be the female in the room kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just that's very interesting that that a few short decades ago and, you know, we still have miles to go. But these movies that we love and they almost kind of think of as kids movies. Yeah. Well, I thought Trading Places was like a family film. And it's pretty like the only strong female character in it is Jamie Lee Curtis playing a hooker. Which, right, is, which right. is fine, but it's just like it's a standard, you know, hooker with a heart of gold trope, and everyone else is just shitty white people, basically. And Eddie Murphy, like, oh my god, it was, it was entertaining. I'm not gonna lie, but that was like her first non-horror role, wasn't I it? I could see that, you know, like apart from like she was little like, bit. She was just a scream queen up until that mm-hmm. point, and then that was her first character role that wasn't a slasher movie. And she was great, like she was fantastic. Obviously, She's really good in it, and. Fish called Wanda too. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. No, she's fantastic. That was one of our big takeaways from it. Was just like, is, isn't Jamie Lee Curtis the best? <laughs> like basically. Yeah. She's amazing. There's a handful of women who manage to soldier through the trenches of the horrible life of Hollywood, and I'm thinking of her, Sigourney Weaver, Michelle Pfeiffer, Annette Bening. You know, there's a handful that made it through, and Jamie Lee Curtis is impressive because yeah, like Scream Queen with halloween and terror train and prom night yeah prom night but then that she got trading places then i can't remember the title of it but she did like a a real straight middle of the road romantic comedy sitcom for a couple years that i think was pretty successful oh with with richard lewis yeah 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 so i think that was on for a few years and then true lies and then now cut ahead to her senior citizen years and that she's did so well with the Halloween comeback and is still showing up in movies like Knives Out. It's it's very impressive and she's that she's managing to be diverse and hang in there because, God, you know, Hollywood is, is horrible for women. Kind of everybody knows, like, once you hit 40, that you're done. So anybody who makes it further than that is extra impressive that they were more strong and brave and tough enough to to get through yeah especially as a woman obviously like it's just crazy you know you get like one misstep it feels like like you see some people who just go away and and i was thinking about bridget fonda for some reason the other day and i was like yeah she just kind of stepped away cameron diaz some real big names Oh, yeah, a- Ashley Judd. I think uh, a lot of them a lot of them leave i think cuz they just want to raise their their kids mm-hmm. and Bridget Fonda married Danny Elfman. I hear a cat. <laughs> yeah, that, that was me. I was like, Danny Elfman. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a seat movie. Poor, poor kitty. Maybe Bridget Fonda will do a comeback. She'll do a comeback with almost like Jane Fonda, like like her aunt. I was thinking of Ashley Judd because I just thought she just she shattered her leg or something horrible. And I was remembering how big she was for a couple of years, like with Double oh, yeah. Jeopardy and a couple. She had some huge hits for like a three, four year period. She was really the cornerstone of that. I think the genre is kind of gone now, but that courtroom romantic <laughs> spurned woman, you know, has to take revenge on jerk a man or husband. Of some kind. Yeah, I got I think that genre is kind of gone. It, maybe it's gone to TV or something. But yeah, that that was that thing was huge for a while because Sandra Bullock and uh, even like Halle Berry and Julia Roberts, all those all those ladies did pretty giant successful movies in that weird subgenre. Yeah, she was in uh, Kiss the Girls. 
as well, which is like similar but not not quite. Remember that one called Copycat with Sigourney Weaver? Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. We watched that for a bad movie night because of watching it now, it's pretty over the top and ridiculous. I can't even remember it. I, I didn't think it would qualify for a bad movie night because I thought it would just be like, you know, a movie. I thought that. It kind of was, but it it's bad. Like, it, I, I don't even remember it now that much, but it's just sort of like, hey, remember these famous killers? I'm doing the kills the way they did. You'll never catch I me. one of those, like, seven spawned all these kind of clones Mm -hmm. yeah basically it was just seven like (laughs) it's uh it's not great i guess it was kind of slightly on the heels of silence of the lambs as well yeah yeah yeah. serial killer movies were really big in the 90s yeah because and along came a spider it was like the same character that morgan freeman was playing there oh yeah and there was and then what's his name went on to play him yeah uh And I can't remember what that one was. I think that was called just the guy's name or something like that. or like Alex Cross. Yeah, that was it. Alex Cross. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and that was kind of the big deal. It was like almost, he's like a little bit Jason Bourne, but a little bit like almost Batman maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I love Morgan Freeman, though. <laughs> one thing we need is more Batman movies. It's true. Oh, by the way, I did watch Shakedown. And you, oh, no way. Really? Oh, yeah. how was it? It's, okay, here's the thing. It feels every bit of the two hours that it is. And like, it's not bad, but it's just like, um, Peter Weller is not always a great actor. I don't know if that's a hot take. How dare you? But I, I don't know. It's just <laughs> watching it. It just, there's a few of his scenes. He's trying to carry it dramatically. And it's just, he's, it's so like, he's chewing the he's, scenery. He's a little, you, you find him a little too robotic. He, yeah. <laughs> oh God. If only. See, he's an amazing Robocop, but as a like, emoting actor it just for two hours like i'm just like dude there's a few times where you're just like not the best but you know yeah i mean it was it was violent it was entertaining you know sam elliott's great uh, young sam young old sam elliott <laughs> oh, it's funny you say that yeah. i was gonna say for corrections department upon editing last week's podcast i realized i said sam shepherd instead of sam elliott <laughs> oh we, i didn't and, even and know neither of you caught it so it's not my fault <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah, that's like a dermot speaking of uh copycat dermot mulrooney and oh who's the other guy you got uh, oh yeah D- dylan mcdermott yeah <laughs> not brian mulrooney <laughs> they're clones of handsome clones of each other or Damn. Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman. These yeah. are all great. I, I also watched Blast from the Past for the first time. I never got around to that first time around. With Scott Thompson. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. That wouldn't have been my first name <laughs> that I mentioned from that movie. But yeah, I like Kids in the Hall. It was entertaining. A good, fun, fun movie. When you watch Shakedown, did you see why my dad sitting beside ten-year-old me would have been like, "Oh, I've made a mistake." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's a lot of moments there that maybe young Josh probably shouldn't have seen. Cover but... my eyes. Yeah, at least you got to see Sam Shepard's awesome yeah, mustache, that's so right. that's pretty great. <laughs> <Shepherd>. <laughs> or so I'm told. Okay, so then we have two more super classics coming up this week. Ooh. We have Belated, because sadly, one of our biggest cash cows of the year is usually Valentine's Day. We missed out on that, so we're doing a Belated Valentine's Day screenings of Casablanca. Oh, never heard of it. <laughs> Man, this is fun. First time for me seeing it on the big screen. And that's a movie that, yeah, that's the way to see it. And again, it's like time travel to see this old black and white movie in a theater that opened in 1932. It's a, you know, it's a movie that it's kind of in Roger Ebert's review of it, where he says he's watched it over and over again and it never gets old and never gets boring. And it's just, it's just a, a really great kind of simple little movie that's really at the time was just intended to be a kind of a B picture and has lived on to be this classic yeah so good what can you say about it that hasn't been said 
finally coming up is the 1950s War of the Worlds. Mm, I've never seen this one. That's good. You got to catch it while we have it. it. It looks so good on the big screen. Yeah, yeah. Like it's I, in color and yeah, like Technicolor and it looks really yeah, good. Gwen and I, right when lockdown was happening, we watched it on the big screen, the two of us. And Gwen thought that it was a, you know, some kind of like a special edition with fixed up sound and everything. And I'm like, no, this is just the movie because the sound was so good. Like many 1950s sci-fi movies, there's definitely some campy moments and stuff, but there's some stuff in it that's that stands up as being really scary. There's a couple of scenes where kind of a trope of this, whether it be a zombie movie or an alien invasion movie, of people not taking it well. And there's scenes of like riots in the streets and that kind of stuff. And it's really scary. Like, and especially at the time, I can imagine it being like in this post-World War II world of panic and being scared of the unknown and and the effects hold up. And yeah, so super fun to watch on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really a impressive movie for the time period, especially the effects are crazy. Yeah, and it won Best Effects at the Oscars and maybe like Best Sound, I think. At the time, again, kind of a B picture, but now has been, was put into the, the National Film Registry in the States and all these kind of big highbrow things for this this little monster movie. So that is our five movies for the week of Friday, January 19th. And then I will just quickly mention, because we have a few minutes left, the schedule for the 26th, which we will have, which we do have up online now, and we'll have more information on social media coming in the days to come. We have a new film called Our Friend, and that's with Jason Siegel and Casey Affleck and Dakota Fanning. And it's one of those kind of funny, sad movies about three friends, and one of them is sick, and so it's kind of like a heavy drama, but with lots of funny character moments in it, I believe. A dramedy. A dramedy. Yeah, so some big laughs, but also big cries. Big laughs, big cries. <laughs> okay. And then Memories of Murder, which is a Bong Joon-ho film from 2003. Oh, right. Which might as well be a new film because from what I understand, it had no distribution, was hard to find on TV or DVD or anything like that. So essentially, for all intents and purposes of many of our patrons, a new film from the guy who directed Parasite. Apparently it's amazing. It's the sequel. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Tarantino called it one of his, one of the best films he's seen in the past like 20 years or something. Oh, wow. There you go. That's that's big. Then our second film for Black History Month will be Spike Lee's Jungle Fever, Mm. which by coincidence is from 1991. So it also doubles up as a 30th anniversary presentation. Huge. Then we have a new film called Psycho Gorman, which people are looking forward to. Yeah, the fun fun uh, people behind that. They always make like entertaining flicks. Is that from Montreal? I think so, yeah. Is it yeah. the Turbo Kid guys? Uh, it's not that. It's uh, it's Astron 6, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay, I've heard of them. Pretty sure. I don't want to... It'll be wrong now that I said that, but I'm pretty sure it's right. It's Turbo Kid adjacent. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think they, <laughs> they're in the same... It's like tertiary, you know, friends or whatever of Turbo Kid. Uh, and then finally, this is for next week after the... Friday, February 26th, we're screening Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Oh, wow. That is not what I expected you to say. And that is, I think it's a very Mayfair turn, is that is in tribute to Christopher Plummer. So instead of showing something like Sound of Music, we're showing Star Trek VI. Once again, 30th anniversary presentation. And with all due respect to Ricardo Montalban, (laughs) I think Christopher Plummer is the best villain in Star Trek history. I love this movie. It's fun that they took kind of a Shakespeare turn with it. He's such a good Klingon in this, and 
if you're not a Trek fan, what's great about this movie is it's completely self-contained. The movie's kind of leading up to this uh, Star Trek 2, 3, and 4 were a trilogy. Star Trek 2 is kind of tied into the TV show. Star Trek Generations is tied into Next Generation. But Star Trek 6 is just a really great self-contained sci-fi story, political intrigue, and uh, a nice little tribute to a great Canadian iconic actor at the same time. So yeah, not the one you'd be expecting either. Like I love that it's like one of one of his best performances, Star Trek Six. You're like, oh shit, yeah. I didn't see that coming. I stand by that. <laughs> yeah, hey, why not? So we're going to wrap things up now. Stay tuned to our social media. We'll have updates on movies coming up both this weekend next and in the near future. Be sure to go visit our friends at House of Targ. I think they're opening up again on Friday that you can actually go and play video games and sit down and eat pierogies and all that. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. It's been so nice. We've gotten lots of nice little emails and social media comments of people listening to the podcast and saying they like listening to it during these crazy times and that we're just a touchstone of normalcy pretending that we were still screening movies all this (laughs) time and months and years. So... And uh, we will see you next week. And I think next week we'll be back together in a safe social distance manner in the cinema, recording a podcast face-to-face from six feet apart. Let's see. We'll see how the week goes. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Uh, So thanks for listening, everybody. We look forward very much to seeing you at the Mayfair soon. Bye. Bye. Bye for now. Oh, I forgot to tell you I watched 1984's Flashpoint with Treat Williams. Oh, our hero. Oh, Christopherson. <laughs> yeah, and the guy who says, I work for Jones, Dick Jones. <laughs> Good movie. Oh, yeah? Lies. Yeah, well. <laughs> I think I read in, in a, a Leonard Maltin's review saying that movie has the worst theme song or something. <laughs> well, I mean, I've heard a lot of crap theme songs. Uh, I mean, it's not good. It's no white fire. Oh, God. Now, that's just a classic, a stone cold classic. <laughs> okay, we're going to be cut off in 30 seconds or less, so I will talk to you guys soon. All right. Have fun. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Which one do you want? The main one. You're a sick man. They're two good old boys looking for action. Until one day they found something more. What is it about that Jeep? Carson's got the entire Fifth Army out there. Did you have any idea what they were up to? What who was up to, Logan? These are my witnesses. Where are your witnesses? Flashpoint. Who were you? Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you.